1: Hope you're doing well. I, if you only knew what happened behind the scenes. If you only knew how we make the hot dogs and the the scramble method, the scramble technique to get everything worked out. But we are here, and mi- yeah, we, we we're running around. I was like, ah, it's gonna be one of those nights. But hopefully, it will not be one of those nights. Uh, will uh, hold on. Knock on wood. It will not be one of those nights. So <laughs> it's uh, time for our obligatory Major League Baseball is effed up. Monologue. The people that run professional baseball in North America, there in the United States and Canada, have, well, they have sent a proposal. It was rejected, right? The baseball players now, the Players Association, they rejected the latest proposal. That came down on Tuesday and they countered. So at least there's that, that they're trading offers. They counter with an 89 game schedule starting. July 10th and ending October 11th. If that means anything to you, if you have your calendar out on your phone, maybe it does mean something to you. Uh, Now under that plan, the latest proposal, they would pay the the players, the owners would obviously pay the players their full prorated salary, which has been a non-starter for ownership. Uh, They want no part of that. While also agreeing to an expanded postseason. That's what the owners want because cha-ching, cha-ching, Cha-Ching for the next two seasons. Now, Major League Baseball, with his latest offer, by all reports, is going to say, "Nope, that is another strike. Uh, we're not going to, we're not going to accept that." So they will reject the union's proposal, and so we'll be back to the drawing board yet again with the players refusing to accept a pay cut from the prorated salaries. And essentially what's going on, if you haven't been keeping track because you actually have a life and you don't pay attention to this stuff all the time, you're not a loser like me, Uh, here's what's happening. So both sides keep lobbying essentially the same offer back and forth. And it's a game of hot potato, and they're just lobbying the same offer. The owners have decided they are going to pay $1.5 billion. The players can get it any way they want it, whether they want to play more games or less games. And the players, although they did chop off 25 games from their previous proposal, it's the same prorated salary in full that the players want. So that's the sticking point. That's the disagreement, which leads us in to the doomsday scenario, ratcheting up the drama. Reports, Just before we came on the air here, that Commissioner Rob Manfred, we've learned here, is likely going to implement a shortened season. And that's going to happen very soon. And how short will it be? Right around 50 games. A sport that has played 162 games seemingly forever and 154 before that. uh, They're going to play around 50 games, give or take, and it doesn't matter whether the players' union want that or not because the commissioner, uh, Rob Manford, the spineless, gutless commissioner of Major League Baseball, from what he did with the Astros, uh, he's got the opportunity to do this. And the the reporting is it's going to happen within a week. So, hello, we're getting down to uh, nut-cutting time right now. We're, it, we're We're looking at a week. Now, Bob Nightingale telling us that the – The fear, without an agreement, if this is what baseball is going to have in this 2020 year of the apocalypse, and they're only going to play 50 games uh, between the two sides, that they believe several of the biggest stars uh, will be persona non grata. They're just not going to show up. It's not worth their time to play baseball for that little amount of money. Uh, which tells you where the priorities are, and uh, they don't want to risk their health, of course. I'm sure they'll tell us about the coronavirus and all that, uh, which is a load of crap, but uh, they'll give us that as far as players Bro, love I'm that. I'm risking my life. I know, I know. Uh, there you go. There's the genius right there. We, we will have an update on the Mallard Militia battle with that pompous a-hole from the Tampa Bay Rays. We will have an update later on in the show. Uh, but only about 33% of their annual salary but keep in mind uh, 50 games if you do the math on this and you know I I'm a great mathematician my uh, my dad was very into math uh, back in the uh, back in the day but uh, I would say 50 out of uh, what normally 162 so let's do the math we'll crunch the numbers right now uh, that is 30.8% if it's just fi- a flat 50 games that would be 30.8% of the 162 Major League Baseball game standard operating season. So under that plan, the players would actually get a higher percentage in theory. If right? they get paid per game, which is what baseball, I guess that would be the plan, then they would get for 31% of the work, they would be getting 33% of their annual salary. Now, one owner in a uh, report, I was reading this earlier here, says that he has already been told by several of his star players that they will not play. They are not going to play this season. What a great look that is going to be. Can you imagine that? Uh, That walk of shame, the walk of shame of star players who just choose not to play while everyone else is participating, right? The NBA has got their playoffs over there, and hockey's got their thing over there, and these dopey baseball players uh, are willing to not play. Now, keep in mind, if you don't play under this doomsday prophecy scenario for baseball, the 50 game season, the player would forfeit their salary, the entire salary this season. So they wouldn't even get the 33 percent and they would not even receive service time if that matters. That's big if you're into the pension program of Major League Baseball which is a really good pension program slightly better than the Overnight Talk Radio pension program that we have here. So just a just a wee bit better if you're if you're tenured. I would be tenured if we had at Fox Sports Radio a similar uh, program as the players union but of course uh, they'd probably be going belly up if that was the case. Anyway, so uh that brings us to the comments of former Major League Baseball player Trevor Ploof who chimed in on all this. Now Trevor Ploof has scooped Ken Rosenthal and Nightingale and the insider crowd a few times. He's got connections. He played not that long ago. And so Ploof, who's been a mouthpiece for the player's side during the pandemic, he was blowing off some steam on social media. He implied, Trevor Ploof, that the people who buy sports teams essentially don't give a rat's ass about the sport. In this case, he was referring, obviously, if you imply what he said, he was talking about baseball Now, similar things have been said about the players. So let us discuss the question. Do either the owners or the players actually care about baseball? And as I sit here behind these microphones right now talking to you, I'm going to go thumbs down. Thumbs down on both parties. Now, you would say, how could this possibly be? I've got the piggy bank, the concrete mix, and the matrix. And we will combine all these things together, and we will make the greatest sandwich ever, the Philadelphia cheesesteak sandwich, uh, our guy Fats in Philly knows all about that when he's not lighting himself on fire. So, uh, A, the owners, here's the deal, right? The, the The owners like what being an owner gets you. I believe that to be true. They like the uh, the concept of owning a baseball team. It gives you some status. You stand out from the sheep. Believe it or not, there's a lot of rich people who you have no idea who they are. They're faceless. They're nameless people. Just because you're rich does not mean that you have some kind of celebrity Status, right? You don't have that, but if you buy a baseball team in your local community, you get the VIP status. They interview you on radio shows and television shows, and you become somewhat of a, a legend locally. Right? You you get behind the velvet ropes without having to just spend the money. You become the big man on campus. Which is great. You get the, the the champagne wishes, the caviar dreams. It's zippity do da, zippity day. In terms of actually running the baseball team, the owners have always marched to the beat of the same drummer. And and this is pretty much any business. Baseball seems to be more extreme. It's all about the bottom line. The owners, when they you know sell baseball as a public trust, so they do this all the time. It's one of my pet peeves on the owner's side. They always sell this as a public trust in order to do what? In order to steal the piggy bank filled with tax dollars from gullible politicians, and then the owners sit around and chuckle at this confidence game, which they play time and time again. Now, it doesn't always work. There's some teams that have not been able to get the public money and have had to privately finance stadiums, but very rarely does that happen. Once in a blue moon, you trim the fat and squeeze out every possible nickel of profit. After all, it's just business, and and people always look out for their best interests. If you have to ask the question, they're always looking out for what's in their best interest. From the, the business side, baseball as an industry is like a giant rudderless ship steaming along, right? Just going like that, steaming along uh, at a high rate of speed through a very dense fog. And I think you and I both know uh, that they think they're unsinkable baseball, but... We know how that story ends, right? If you go long enough through the fog at a high rate of speed and in the, in the ruddle of the ship, oh well, eventually something really bad is going to happen. Something you, you don't have to be uh, you know, some kind of nautical genius to know that. Now, part B of this, the players. Now, the players' hands are dirty, too. While the owners are a bunch of knuckleheads, the players are not innocent victims like some apologist for the players the jock sniffers want to throw out. If you If you look at the players... And you look at it, it's it's kind of like they treat the fans like window dressing, and maybe they should. You know, they talk about playing for them occasionally, uh, but my theory is that mindset in baseball died off when Tommy Lasorda stopped managing the Dodgers years ago. I mean, almost twenty five years ago uh, when he was managing the Dodgers, and Lasorda, when he managed in L.A., the the team they still had etiquette classes. I don't think they have that anymore. For minor league players. And it was just to indoctrinate you into how to to be a, a player that's beloved, right? Lasorda of had all the shtick. Right, if you don't root for the Dodgers, you might not get it. At heaven, that was one of his famous catchphrases. And he talked about bleeding Dodger blue. And when he dies, he's going to go to the big Dodger in the sky. And all this stuff. And he would preach to his players to sign autographs and all that. And... But that was back in an era in the you know, the eighties, the seventies, eighties, and the early nineties. It kind of died out around nineteen ninety four ish, right around there. They sort of stopped managing, I think, in nineteen ninety six because of health problems. But the the players attempted to market the game. They don't attempt to market the game. They they were uh, somewhat accommodating. Baseball players have always been the biggest douchebags of any professional athlete uh, to deal with. But they at least occasionally try to spread the gospel of of baseball. Nowadays, they've reached the point of entitlement, and they're so spoiled that they actually spit a loogie at the very idea that they would have to change their schedule around to promote the game, despite having much easier avenues to promote the game. You think about back in the old days, now you got social media, all the bots that you can appeal to and all that as a marketing tool, and they have been ineffective, a bunch of stumble bums at social media. Is anyone great in baseball at the social media game? I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. And they all follow the battle cry. Well, the owners have their own battle cry. The players' battle cry is, the game doesn't exist without us. Of course, uh, that's a load of fertilizer, and uh, we know that to be true. Everyone's replaceable. Every player in baseball from 20 years ago has been replaced, and all these guys will be replaced, and many of them will not even make it five or six years in the big leagues. But I look at it like this. Now, you can't have baseball without the owners. You can't have baseball without the players. Like, think of it like the players are the concrete mix. All right, so you have the concrete mix over here, and then the owners provide the water. And so concrete mix by itself is worthless without the water. And you mix that together. And it doesn't matter. Like all these guys, oh, you wish you could throw 98 miles an hour. What is the market without an owner if you throw 98 miles an hour? Maybe you can go to state fairs and win a lot of stuffies, a lot of stuffed animals. Maybe you could do that. But I don't care if you hit home runs like the Bambino. If somebody's not willing to employ you and pay you, you got nothing. Right? Without a Major League Baseball gig, what are these guys doing? Trying to find work in the Mexican League or in Japan or Korea or somewhere like that? Good luck. Good luck making the same amount of money you're making here. And you'd be lucky to make a paltry sum. All right, last word on this. I do not go long-winded. So as we slice things up, and I like to do that on the radio, the owners and the players both deserve large pieces of the blame pie. You're going to cut the blame pie up. There is plenty of corruption and despicable characters on both sides. Every time an owner speaks now, I cringe. Every time they say something, I cringe. We'll have more on that later. I give a slight edge to the players, though, because they don't really want to play. And this latest story, if it is accurate, is more evidence of that. Right? In Blake Snell, we kill him, and he deserves to be ripped, and he's a, he's a Mr. Softy and all that. But Blake Snell is really just repeating and parroting the company line from the players. If, if star players are not going to play at all because it's not worth their time in a 50 game season, that mindset, I'm not playing unless I get mine, that is all over. It's a, it's a fungus around Major League Baseball. And, and those baseball players in general are a bunch of soulless hardball mercenaries. That's generally how they carry themselves. And I look at a guy like Alex Bregman. Uh, the the uh, the, the a hole from the Astros is he's like the mannequin of the modern day player? He's the Taylor's dummy, Alex Bregman. You you have the uh, an interchangeable like Xerox army of little brats all over baseball. It's like the it's kind of like now at the point where we're at the scene in the Matrix that uh, that old movie back in the day where you you can either take the blue pill, if you want, the story will end. And you wake up in your bed and you believe whatever you want to believe. I think that's the line from the Matrix. And then the other possibility is you take the red pill and you stay in Wonderland. and, uh, And then we'll see how deep down the rabbit hole we can possibly go. Well, the players and owners have both at this point decided I'd really like that red pill. I really want that ribbon. The blue pill, not so much. I'd rather have the the red pill. That's the one I want.
3: Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
4: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you.
5: We're
1: back at it again this hour. Welcome in, if you're just joining us. Where have you been? Bad job by you, but you're here now. That's all that matters. The party is now underway because you have arrived. Uh, And as the sport of baseball slowly drowns in the middle of the ocean, and we all are witness to it, we're all rubberneckers watching this debacle take place. Uh, We have been hearing grumblings. We've been hearing last hour. We talked about. Whether or not the players and the owners actually care about the sport of baseball, but the grumbling from the owners needs to be addressed. Specifically, the grumbling of the owners in professional baseball, and in this case, the Cardinals owner Bill DeWitt Jr. uh, is this this guy's name. Uh, Now, I don't know if you heard about this or not. Maybe maybe you did not see these comments. Uh, They were making their way around, but maybe you did not end up, uh, they did not end up on your radar. So I'll give you the abridged version of events. I'm going to give you the abridged version of what happened because we don't need to give you all of it. We just give you a little bit of it, and then we overreact. That's usually how it works on the show. So the, the chairman and CEO of the St. Louis professional baseball team, Bill DeWitt Jr., now this guy wants you, he wants you to know that owning a baseball team is not the highway to wealth. It is not. During an appearance on sports radio in St. Louis, all these guys barking on sports talk radio, how great is that? Uh, on sports radio in St. Louis, DeWitt said, quote, the industry isn't very profitable, to be quite honest. All right. Now, he had a few other things to say, but that's the money quote. You don't go away from the money quote. If you ever get a radio show, Just, just... React to the money quote. Don't get into the minutia. So, again, that's the quote. The industry isn't very profitable, to be quite honest. So let us discuss the question. Are uh, you going to buy that? you Are going to sell that? That baseball is not profitable? That to own a baseball team is not a road that will give you tremendous returns on investment? Yeah, I mean, come on. What are we doing here? I mean, are the the people of St. Louis, do they have an IQ above 40, the people of St. Louis? Anybody that buys that? I mean, really? So I've got the express train, Scrooge McDuck, and add water. Those are three things, and we will put all of this together, and we will go swim is what we're going to do. Now, number one. Number one. You'd have to be a total rube, and maybe you are, to believe what Bill DeWitt is selling Bill DeWitt Jr. is following the talking points memo that all owners love to preach from their different stances around the country, different positions around the country, and some version of the same talking points. Here, they attempt to paint this bleak financial picture, uh, this hardship, and. Certainly, I would say this year they've got more of a case than in past years because of the apocalypse and there is no baseball to make money. They can't charge you $30 for nachos and $40 for a beer and those kind of things. The outrageous prices they charge, the gouging of the customer at the ballpark to watch some baseball, uh, they can't do that right now. So short term for 2020, you would say that, yeah, there is a little bit of hardship this year, but... Last year and the year before, uh, no, 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 no. If you look at the long game, you got to the short game and the long game, or the micro and the macro. If you look at the long game, they are on, uh, they're on a tremendous mountain of money. Not Mallers' mountain of money. This is bigger than Mallers' mountain of money. This is real money. But when I hear these comments, that you look at the owners, you're like, and, and the sport of baseball continues to be on the express train to Clowntown the express train to Clown Town. Uh, And and they can say that baseball, you lose money, you don't make that much money. They can say that because the baseball financial numbers, the the books of baseball are the most closely guarded intel in any sport. I, I can't think of anything else that is not as available as the actual financials of baseball. Like football, you get everything. Because the Green Bay Packers are community-owned, and so all of that is on the public record. You get all of the financials as far as the national TV money, how it's broken up for a team, and all that stuff's available if you're into that kind of thing, if you're a financial nerd uh, in, the, in the sport of football. And much of it's available in basketball and in hockey, but that's why the owners can speak with impunity because there is no way of confirming or denying The numbers, because they don't have, they don't give the numbers out. Now, the second thing here, um, since we're not mainstream and we do an overnight show, we're we're on late at night here when most people are sleeping, so we're we're not part of the mainstream sports media establishment, the the elite sports media establishment. On the show, we're not part of that, so I don't need to sit here and like pander to baseball or do any of that stuff. Uh, Using common sense. As a lethal weapon, again, we've preached about the fact that there's not a lot of common sense being used. Your common sense is uncommon these days. But every time a Major League Baseball team goes on the market, my entire life this has been true. And I don't think it's going to change because of the pandemic. We see a line around the block, all right, there and over, I mean around the block, and it's billionaires, the billionaire boys club that are lined up trying to get in on the action. They want a piece of the action. There's a lot of reasons to own a sports team. right? You think about what are those reasons. You have clout at social events. We talked about that earlier. It's a status symbol type thing. But wealthy people, this has been my experience, and I don't know many wealthy people, but the ones I've come across in my life. Wealthy people, generally speaking, don't flush away money and don't make Frivolous investments in in that at that level, you might waste your money on cars and women and things like that. But the amount of money it costs billions of dollars to get a baseball team. You you don't do that. Uh, They don't stay wealthy by doing that. When you get that big a bankroll, and I'm talking massive, you got to nurse that a little bit. You got to massage that, and that's how you stay richer than. Scrooge McDuck, right? That's how you stay richer than Scrooge McDuck. And and there are no owners who are headed to the poorhouse, right? It's just not true. It's not. I mean, unless you invested in Bernie Madoff, but even the guys that own the Mets, the Wilpons, they're still hanging on by a thread. I guess they're finally going to be out of there in the next couple of years. But for now, they lost all this money supposedly with Bernie Madoff and that scam, the Ponzi scheme, and they're still hanging on, hanging on. Uh, by a threat, so it's, and there's no bread line in the future. Every Major League Baseball team is making a profit, a large profit for commoners, the unwashed like you and me, right? A lot of money, millions of dollars and beyond. Now, what is my evidence? Again, I've told you the financial numbers are not available in Major League Baseball, so... You and I, let's go in the way back machine. We're going to go in the way back machine. Now, uh, here we go. Kind of like the hot tub time machine, the way back machine. Uh, And about a decade ago, some financial numbers got leaked. They were published uh, on the original Deadspin. I know Deadspin died and then rose up from the ashes. But they published the financials for a number of Major League Baseball teams. The one I remember in particular was the Marlins. The Pirates were on there, the White Sox, the Angels, I believe, were also on that. And you can just Google it and look up the numbers. But the Marlins, who were sorrowful, the Marlins have always been lousy. In 2009, so we're going back uh, over a decade, 2009, the Marlins had a $29 million Profit. $29 million profit. That is the same year that the politicians in Miami and uh, Miami-Dade County there granted approval for the current concrete eyesore in Miami, that empty stadium that they have in Miami. With all apologies to my man Marlon's man, uh, you know, it's not his fault. He doesn't go to the games either. Uh, but this happened while the team was claiming poverty, mind you. I talked about in a previous hour here that they they try to, to shake down the politicians by claiming they're a community trust, and then they get that money from the piggy bank, and then they laugh. They laugh at the idiots who are the politicians that give them that money. They issue these ultimatums, and Marlins did exactly that. They issued ultimatums about relocation and less the taxpayers bent over the table to give them their stadium. They got the stadium. Now, for context, I mentioned the Marlins 11 years ago made $29 million, which you say, well, that's not that much. These teams are worth billions of dollars. Well, okay, that's, it. that's at that point, not now. The number's even bigger now. But just for context, keep in mind the Marlins of 2009 did not make the playoffs. They weren't a playoff team that year. They had lousy television numbers in Miami, and they finished 29th out of 30 teams in attendance. And they made $29 million. The only team that year that made or had less fans were the Oakland Athletics. But the Marlins turned a $29 million profit with no one going to their games, no one watching their games, and they still banked $29 million. And this Bill DeWitt guy's going around talking about, oh, no, we don't don't make a lot of money. And uh, what was the the Forbes story? I think they made like $800 million in profit or something like that. The the Cardinals, uh, a couple of years ago, there was a number going around that was ridiculous. All right, final point. All right, we have laid out for you. I think pretty well. You'll be the judge of that. We have laid out that owning a baseball team is a foolproof business. This is a just-add-water, stay-out-of-way. It's a hamburger-helper type deal. Just add a little water. You're good. And even when you meddle, you still come out ahead. And according to Forbes, we gave you the the numbers from 09 because those are the most recent numbers that we have available. They're not usually available. But Major League Baseball in totality grossed a record $10.7 billion in revenue from the 2019 season. Uh, that was an increase of $10.3 billion the prior year. Now, just between me and you, uh, I'm pretty sure that number is going to go way down and uh, will be shockingly less this year, but it'll conceivably go back up next season, if there is a next season. And baseball, from beginning to end, has become – a television show—that's what it is, right? It's all about the media rights, the MLB.com, the BAM. Uh, th- that group makes an s load of money. I know they sold some of it to Disney, I believe, a couple of years ago. Uh, so they make a ton of money. But the TV rights deals with Fox, ESPN, and Turner, uh, and the, the the former they just agreed to somewhat recently. The total extension valued at five point one billion dollars. And that runs through 2028. That's why they got to get the playoffs on. So, and, and even if you say, well, they don't make that much money, if you believe that, I would question your intelligence, but let's just say you feel like Bill DeWitt's being honest here. All right, so you say they don't make enough money year to year, but keep in mind the big payout has always been that when you sell a team, you cash in. For example... Uh, we do a show from from the L.A. area here in Los Angeles, and Artie Marino in Anaheim down in the O.C. Who? Paid, a, paid about $180 million, a little more than that, for the Angels from Disney in 2003. And according to Forbes, the Angels at last check were worth about $2 billion as the crow flies. So how many other businesses can you invest um, that amount of money and get that return on investment if he were to sell the team. Now, you could say that the team's not worth that much now because of the apocalypse, and maybe that's true, but it's still worth more than $184 million or whatever it is Artie Marino paid for it back in the day. All right, here's the Ben Maller Show. You want to talk about that, you can join us here at eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox, 877-99. Nine nine six six three six nine. Also available on Twitter at Ben Maller. And let's see who's available. Sneak a call in here. Let's go to BuzzKill Brett, who's up next on Fox Sports Radio. Hello, Brett.
3: Hey, I love hey. that movie Brewster's Millions. <laughs> now, you know what that, I means? that I means, all about uh, means? That means two
1: that means two things. Uh, a you know good good movies and B, you're an old fart, is what that means.
3: Hey, I was uh, just wanted your opinion. Uh, when baseball, if they do come back, and they gotta compete with the NBA playoffs, and then get into the heart of the NFL season, you know, on this delayed schedule plan, do you really think uh, that that the uh, I don't know. What's your opinion on how they could stack up against the NBA and the NFL? Oh, they're gonna I'll get take killed.
1: I'm my
5: answer off the air, sir.
1: All right. Oh, I like that. That's good radio jargon. That's good talk radio call-in jargon. I like first time, long time. I'll take the answer off the air. Yeah. Uh, well, to answer your question, Buzz Brett, head-to-head with the NBA playoffs, and y- you're looking at the NFL starting, right, in September, and so baseball will be going in uh, September and October, like always there. Uh, they totally botched this. These Mama Lukes coulda had, coulda, shoulda, woulda, had full reign they, they and people so starved for anything, so trying to get away from, from everything the the apocalypse and the protesting. People just trying to get out of there for a few hours, and they could have watched a ball game. And now, of course, they're going to go head to head with everything else. Now, yeah, we'll see what how much of the the protesting stuff spills into baseball, which is another factor in that. Will baseball have that? Is baseball going to be a cocoon where you don't get that? And will that that could actually uh, that could help out baseball if they do come back and they're going head-to-head in like in the NBA and everyone's protesting in the NBA and baseball, they're not doing that. That could actually help them uh, with some of the people trying to get away from that stuff and just watch a sporting event without uh, without that other, other part of it.
3: Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific.
1: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro
3: on our hands, ladies and gentlemen.
5: Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your
1: podcasts.
3: It's Maller. How about that? To the third degree. This is when Big Ben gets grilled.
1: All right, it's third degree brought to you by Discover Card. We treat you like you treat you. What do we have here?
2: So this week, uh, Julian Edelman said that he's using Tom Brady's departure as motivation for the 2020 season. Uh, Edelman's had Brady
1: his entire career. Do you think he'll still be productive without him? Boy, well, this is a great mystery, and this will go a long way in determining whether or not the Patriots are going to be competitive and still win the AFC East, or they're going to blow. It really, it, much of it depends on Edelman, because their secondary is going to be very good. Their offensive line should be decent with the the Patriots going forward. Uh, but that we're we're facing a seminal moment for Edelman. That's the first part of this. He saw his numbers go down. He dropped a bunch of passes in key moments for the Patriots, and this is a fork-in-the-road situation. He's one of the Brady boys, right? Is he a creation of Tom Brady, or can he be good with any bum off the street? And then, B, generally speaking, this is a chicken-and-the-egg argument, and I have bought into the fact it's the quarterback that makes the receiver as opposed to the receiver that makes the quarterback. Now, that said, Julian Edelman is going to get a wicked number of targets again from Jared Stidham. If you look at the wide receiver depth chart there, or Brian Hoyer, I will. I expect him to be productive. I don't think he's going to have an amazing season, but I think it will be a productive because he's going to get so many targets. And even if the Patriots are bad, if you're getting the ball thrown to you, the key thing is health for Edelman. Uh, but I'm going to bet on him still being productive without Tom Brady. All right, next. Uh,
2: so Todd Gurley was finally able to fly to Atlanta and pass his physical with the Falcons. Ben, what do you think the chances are of a bounce-back season for Gurley?
1: All right, so I saw Gurley the last couple years go down. He was doing the limbo. How low can you go? And based on what I've heard and what I've seen, I'm not going to say zero, but it's like 5%. It's 5%. I mean, he might just get shot up with a bunch of steroids and become a cyborg with some kind of implant or something. But Todd Gurley, they suppose, suppose he's got this chronic arthritis condition. To me, there is no magic pixie dust that you can put on that with your arthritis where you're going to be able to play as a professional athlete. Uh, So I just don't see it. And then secondly, the the worm has turned. And the fact that he was only able to get a prove-it contract tells you what the NFL thinks. That's noteworthy. This guy was the top running back in football a couple years ago, and now he's got to fake it till he makes it. Uh, in the NFL, outside of the sporadic good game, I would say the smart money is that Todd Gurley will not be a force multiplier consistently ever again. It's a sad tale. All right, next. So Shaq and Robert
2: Ory both agreed that uh, Portland were their toughest opponent when they faced uh, that they faced in their championship era. Now, do you think that's true, or do you think they're just taking a uh, shot at Sacramento? Yeah,
1: you know, it's it's Sacramento. The Kings were the, the bigger threat to the Lakers, and I'll tell you why. Those matchups with Chris Webber, Vladi Divac, Bibby, and that era of the Kings, Peja Stojakovic, were electric. Phil Jackson did the cowbell thing, and the Lakers needed Tim Donaghy to cheat to beat Sacramento, or else they would have lost to the Kings. So that, that alone gives the edge uh, to the... To the, the Sacramento Kings. And the, the the Blazers had that jail Blazers thing going on. No, I, you got to go Sacramento. All right, there it is, Loop. How did we do?
2: Ben, I hated that last answer. You failed this edition.
1: Oh, Dave. That's uh, well, fair. Tim Donnie well, rigged the series it. for the Lakers. He wrote lose. a book about it. Good day, sir. Fox Sports Radio has
3: the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Attention, everyone. And the the password is... Password. You idiot. Password, the word game of the stars. Here's Ben Maller.
1: All right, away we go. It's time now for Password. This portion of the Ben Maller Show brought to you by Discover Card. We treat you like you'd treat you. Let's get right to the game. We welcome in our contestants for Password. We've got uh, Fats in Philadelphia. Hello, Fats. Uh, good morning, Ben. The sun is rising, and I just knocked down two for the price of four McDonald's sausage McMuffin with egg. Well, that is the breakfast of champions for a guy named Fats. All right, uh, hold on a sec, Fats. Uh, you're going to be playing, and Justin in Cincinnati is going to play. Hello, Justin. Ah! <laughs>
3: yeah, I'm officially self-identifying as a black lesbian just to avoid uh, any
1: all cal- Calm down, Justin. want to get through the damn game, okay? Please, calm down. Okay, sorry. All right, uh, so you guys are regular, so we don't need to ask you what you do because you guys uh, contribute content to the show all the time. So, Fats, who do you want to partner up with there, Fats? Uh, I have to go with the Fat Guy fraternity and, and pick you. That's right, man. <laughs> fat guys have to stay together. Damn right on that, Fats. Fat lives uh, yeah, matter. Yeah, they do matter. They don't last that long. All right, uh, Justin, who do you want to partner up with, Justin? The weed smoker. Oh, keep <laughs> a loop. Wow. Aha. Uh-huh. You're mortal uh, Mixing you're it mo- up. Mortal enemy. I'm shocked by this. Will Justin sabotage the game? Okay. It's so the, the way this- spirit of coming together, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> enemies unite. Yeah, Justin, yeah. I'm sure uh, would. Yeah. All right. Uh, anyway, all right, let's play the game here. Fats, pick a number one to ten there. You got that nice McDonald's breakfast in your belly. So uh, go ahead. Uh I I will go in honor of Doc Mike. I will go number 1. Number 1. Number one. All right, uh let's go with uh Reverend.
3: Pastor. No.
1: <laughs> ah! <laughs> ah!
2: Uh I mean, I don't I don't I don't feel like I don't even need to give you a clue, uh Justin, but ah! I'll, I'll, I'll say uh I don't know. Minister?
1: Oh. oh my no. god, he didn't get it right! Oh, oh my god! We're all gonna be struck I mean, by my clue lightning! Led to the- We're gonna be struck by lightning. Uh let's go with uh how about I looked at this is one word I can say a clergyman uh, priest! Yeah Yeah! Good job, Fats! That's my guy, Fats! All right, well, how many points did we get? Seven? Eight. Eight, Eight. okay. All right, uh, we get eight points. We take the lead. Justin, pick a number, two to to ten.
3: In honor of Robbie's life, number two. All
1: right, poor Robbie the Mariner fan. You guys just are vicious. All right, uh, go ahead there, Coop. All right. This is a tough uh, one.
2: Yeah, it is. Um, I'll go with... Uh, oh, oh. Uh.
1: Don't do that. <laughs> There's seven different things you can do. For yeah, me. yeah, I know. The um, I know what you're thinking. I, I thought the I'm gonna, same I'm thing. I'm going to
2: go with Malor Maneuver here. Oh, good luck. Uh, I'm going to go with... Uh,
1: this is tough. Match. Book. Book. No. No, see, that's a problem. All right, I'm going to try a different Mallard Maneuver. Since, Well, I just think we should try all the Mallard Maneuvers with this word. How about uh, focal? Fats? Focal. Focal. Focal? The Mallard Maneuver fats, where I lead you in. Yeah, I know that, but did you say focal or vocal? Focal. Focal. I got a a weird California accent. (sighs) F-O-C-A-L, focal.
5: Focal and then mat. Uh, I uh,
3: focal oh! hero hero. No, uh,
1: my God, that's not the Maluma. I don't fucking know. Oh, oh you, kid, a, you no. Oh my God! No. Oh, Ben loses. Oh, I lose. We, I, I fats. I love you, <laughs> man. Just, We're just, not on satellite <laughs> radio only. You can't say that. Justin, word. do you know what the
2: answer was.
3: Point. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Focal point. Oh my God. All right. Yeah. I think because uh, I love fats, but fats. Uh, my man has no filter there, so I think we might have to end the game here. <laughs> 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 that is the word I was thinking of, though. I was. I was like, oh, that's. Uh, yeah. The F word. Just scream the yell. <laughs> yell the F word <laughs> out. Yeah. You know why not? What's uh, what's not to like?
4: Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA.